Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Deborah Kozowski, the charismatic host of the thought-provoking podcast, The Millionaire Woman Show. Deborah is committed to enriching the leadership potential of her countless clients, essentially guiding them to go within to capitalize on their true personal power so they can achieve the measurable success they desire in business and in life. Deborah is an award-winning, three-times best-selling author and two-times TEDx speaker, Forbes coach, counsel contributing writer, and certified executive coach. And she has spent many years as a clinical manager excelling in leadership development before founding Deborah Kozowski International, a world-class training and consulting venture focused on helping aspiring business owners and solopreneurs. And Deborah and I had the pleasure of meeting one another in person, I think at the New Media Summit, didn't we, Deborah? Yeah. Meet at the New Media yeah, Summit. Absolutely. And I think we had some fun on the dance floor, as I remember. <laughs> Possibly. I believe so. I believe so. We had a nice mastermind time after afterward where we got a great snapshot of the two of us as well. Yeah, beautiful. Well, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, you have an incredible show and I love how you showcase the ladies that you bring on to really demonstrate how wickedly smart we are and how empowered we are. Yeah. Well, I am excited to showcase and spotlight you today, Deborah. So I want to begin our time together by asking you what inspired you to be in a leadership role. Were you always like the one on the playground who was telling everybody what to do? Or is it something that you evolved into? You know, I can't recall if it was the playground, really. I know that there, I grew up in a small town and throughout school, whenever a leadership position came up, whether it were a student council or whether it be team captain, I I always went for the lead position. And times it was because I saw things that needed to be changed, gaps in the system, or incredible people who were gathered together, but they needed someone to help coordinate and put things together. So I often find myself moving into the leadership because it's like, okay, let's get moving into action when people are still mauling the ideas. I'm not a person who likes to hesitate when it comes to seeing where things can be because I know that we can adjust the course as we go. As long as nobody's dying or going to jail, the questions seem to be pretty easy, <laughs> you know, to move forward with and to really step into who we need to be. Yeah. 
Beautiful. So as you started talking there, I started to get kind of visions of different ways that people can show up as leaders. And there are different ways. And so what I'm hearing from that is you're the kind of leader who, even though somebody else might have initiated an idea and people are all kind of congealing around it, you come in and kind of catalyze it into action. And you're more of a point leader. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I like to come from a place of really being that servant leader to, you know, being there to serve others in a way of getting their ideas out into the open. I'm one of those people who love to brainstorm, love to capture people's ideas and say, okay, let's move into implementing. Let's execute because knowledge ideas are great. Not until we put them into action and execute. Do we get to feel the results of that labor, that effort, that vision that we had for ourselves? So, you know, when it comes to being a point leader, it's really about building that trust, being with the people and knowing that I'm in partnership alongside them. And there'll be sometimes I might step a few steps ahead and there's going to be other times I'm just going to step to the back and let them flourish, let them step into their role because they need to take credit for the work that they have done. I might have guided them, but ultimately they do the work. So I want to hear about what happens when you step back, because I think this is an interesting dance that leaders have, right? So from what I'm hearing from how you've described how you've shown up repeatedly in the world, it sounds like you come in, you catalyze, you get things moving, you start the flow of the energy, things begin to gain momentum, and then you, it's not so much that you pull back your energy, but you elevate what's happening and move it in front of you at that point. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. So one of the things that I've learned about myself is, you know, I could have the skill set. I could be very empowered. But the legacy doesn't come into place unless I let others take what I've taught them or let them lead for them to know that they have a safe place to expand themselves. Hmm. You know, as a leader, I find that when you come to the point of stepping back and watching people step into who they are, they have that safe place. They don't feel micromanaged. And there's a big difference between holding people accountable and micromanaging. You know, and some people will say, oh, well, they're micromanaging, depending on what that looks like. If I'm holding somebody accountable, I'm saying, okay, what was the deadline? What was the plan? What were you following through on? Did you do it? Why didn't you do it? Whereas a micromanager to me is following up on the task and almost taking over the task. And that's not something that I want to do. It's their work. It's their heavy lifting. It's their journey that they need to learn and grow from. I might give what we call feed forward. You know, if, if they fall down, we're not going to focus on the falling down. We're going to say, okay, what did you learn? And how are you going to move forward? And can I offer you some things to help you build upon from where you were? There's no point in looking and, you know, beating up what happened in an event. Let's say they were in front of the boardroom and the way they delivered just fell down. Most of the time, if somebody's insightful to their own and reflective to their own work, they're going to already know that. They don't need me to tell them that. So what they do need is someone to say, okay, what are we going to learn from this? Tell me how you're feeling and what steps would you do differently? And can I offer you some recommendations? 
It's up to them whether they want to take it or not because it's my own personal opinion. But if there's something that I can deliver to them that they can move forward with, then the next time will be even sweeter. And that's when I'm holding back is still allowing them to have the space, holding that space for them to grow and acknowledging that I see them and I hear and I recognize the feelings that those emotions that come from not succeeding the way we want to, often, you know, when they can be their own worst critic, right? They're going to be beating themselves up if something didn't go well. But my job as a leader is to make sure that people also acknowledge the wins. And we don't do that enough to see what's positive and what will be positive in the future because you learned this lesson. Yeah, you know, beautiful. If we don't stop and have that reflection, you're, you're not going to learn from it. So I want to talk a little bit more about that delicate place where you do start to kind of pull back. Like, how do you know? Do you have kind of internal knowing or do you have like a structure in your leadership that you know when you've put enough of kind of the fire under things and it is time to step back? Because I think a lot of times, especially people who are stepping out of, you know, any kind of corporate environment and into their own entrepreneurship, who might be learning how to lead in new ways, different ways that they weren't expecting, can sometimes do that micromanaging thing. And so do you have any kind of internal process for yourself or any kind of process that you engage in when you are in a, an initiative where you have like a timing that you're aware of that's like, okay, things are moving. Okay, I've energized it sufficiently okay, now I'm stuck. Like, do you have that magic way of knowing? And what is that? Well, one, it is definitely a delicate dance, as you described it, to know when, you know, it's fluid, right? You can feel the energy of when things are working, when they're not, when people are hesitating. I often look at people's body language. You know, it's really important to go over the role and expectation, clarifying, making sure that people understand what they're meant to do, because that's often where the biggest downfall happens, is that it wasn't clear from the very beginning. So if you take the time to explain and go through and ask any questions, sharing the vision as a leader is so, so important. But as I talk to each one individually, not just in a group as a team, but individually, I watch their body language. I watch for any hesitations in their language, their facial expressions when I can. You know, in a mask, sometimes I'm just going by eyes and posture. But it's really about showing them that you trust them to do the work that they need to do. And they need to also hear it. That, you know what, we've asked good questions, leaving that door open for questions to come back to you, because often they will. For clarification, but knowing that you trust them to do the work that they're meant to do. Have presence, walk by, you know, acknowledge that you see them, do a slight check-in, just saying, how are things going? Do you have any questions? But it's not like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? You know, because that doesn't allow people to step into their potential. It doesn't allow people to let me make my errors by myself a little bit and tweak things before I you know, come to you with the final delivery, because everything's not going to flow perfectly, especially in the entrepreneurial world, right? When you switch from corporate to entrepreneurial, you have this, you have to put your own fire under your butt. 
not only your own fire, but now you're leading a team, you're leading employees to help, you know, be the champions of your business. You need to have that fire under yourself first and realizing with whatever is going on around you, that environment or whatever influences you in your thinking is also rippling to the people you serve. So not only are you putting that fire under your own butt, you need to find ways in which you're going to be able to ripple that to the people you work with and showing them that you trust them for the work that they do. Especially when you're doing freelancing and contracting. It's really about getting very clear on that job description of what you want them to do and making sure that that skill set is there. Years ago, I hired someone and you know I thought we had a really good dialogue with deadlines and I was putting together a virtual summit and a week before the guy disappeared. I couldn't reach him for seven days. I phoned, I emailed and, you know, I needed things done by a certain date so that we could test things. And he showed up a week later and he says, Oh, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Do you understand what has just happened? I went and hired someone else, gave him all the passwords and you are no longer working with me. Like there, there was that, communication that was lost and luckily the person I hired she knew exactly what to do within two days we had everything up and running tested knowing that it was going to work but he put me in a really difficult position and I also take responsibility for that to remind them like if you're a contractor and you know something happens in your life emergencies happen you need to let the people know who've hired you yeah Right. So we had a very stern, you know, and he was willing to go bend over backwards. And I'm like, I cannot do this now. It, it was so timely that it forced me into the position to let that person go and move into having someone who knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Beautiful. It doesn't matter if you're cheaper or what you get, what you pay for. <laughs> And that's one of the biggest lessons I learned. Yeah, that's a a maxim that continues to stand the test of time for sure. All right. Well, so Deborah, we are already at the break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to let people know a little bit more about where they can find out more about you. But for right now, I want to say to our Wickedly Smart Women around the world, we could use your help. Team up with us if you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air. Please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. And when you go to that site, sign up for our mailing list. We are building out the community this year. That's the vision for this year is to build out the community, uh, the online Facebook community. And we're also building out a store. So we'd love to have you join us on the mailing list. And we'd also love to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. I do want to say thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading all around the world. We are now up to 59 countries, although I didn't check today. We could be higher than that. And we just broke through five figures in downloads. So that's really exciting. And I want to thank all of those people who are downloading, especially in Edmonton, Canada, which is where Deborah is. And let's also shout out to our listeners in Argentina, the Russian Federation, and Romania. And we will be right back with Deborah Kozowski. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design? 
a life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Deborah Kozowski. You can find out more about Deborah and how she helps people all over the world at DebraKozowski.com. We will have that in the show notes for you. And when you get there, you will find that she has for you a three-part course called Making Habits Stick that you can check into. And she is also offering another course. So that's the free course, Making Habits Stick. She's also going to be offering another course called Unshakable Mindset. So feel free to check her out at DebraKozowski.com and definitely take a look at getting yourself signed up for Making Habits Stick. So I'd love to have you talk about that, Deborah. How do we make habits stick? And what are some of the habits that you have cultivated as a leader or that you encourage your clients to cultivate that we really should stick with in order to be successful as entrepreneurs? Well, I'm so glad you asked because habits are the foundation of every success story. It is about the habits of connecting with others, the habits of you know, reflecting on your day. And one of the biggest things I recommend to people is bookmark your day. You are going to, you know, in the morning, look at what you want to plan out for the day. It only takes 15 minutes to really say, setting that intention. What do I want my day to unfold? Like, what are the things that are most important? What is the one thing I need to do today to get my greatest return on investment of time, money, and resources? Then at the end of your day, what I want you to think about is how did that day go on a scale of zero to 10? What can I have done better to make it a 10 if I wasn't a 10? And what can I do differently tomorrow in structuring my day? So this is a daily occurrence so that each day you're going to be better than yesterday. The other habit I love people to get into is time blocking their day. Because what happens is, is people will put things on a to-do list. They don't put it in the calendar. They have this long to-do list like Santa's Christmas list. And then they get frustrated that there's so much to do, but it's not getting done. Now, if I start take and somebody gives me a phone call and says, hey, are you free today? I look at my calendar. I don't look at my to-do list. I look at the calendar and I say, hey, it, it's open. Let's go do it. And then I realize I'm not getting done on my list what I need to do. So I need to start taking stuff from the to-do list, putting it into the calendar, blocking off hours at a time, and getting things done. Now, I'm, I'm talking about being really mindful of this. You're not going to block a four-hour block for a project. I recommend the most you block it is maybe 90 minutes at the most, but otherwise, hourly blocks are the best because you have that urgency, that scarcity of time where you're going to work hard for that time. You know, we have different methods, the Pomodoro method. You know, I like to use the marinara timer online behind my screen, and I set it for 45 minutes. I know I've practiced with this to learn that 45 minutes is my optimum time. So I'll work steady for 45 minutes, and then I take a 15-minute break. And then I'll do that again 
in about four cycles. And what I've learned is that I can get way more done than somebody who's working an eight hour day and I've just spent four 45 minute blocks. Beautiful. Because it's focused intentional time. And where people get derailed is because they're not putting the habits in place that are going to set them up for success. The distractions are there. Mm. You know, there's times where I need complete silence. But there's also times where I can listen to Baroque music in the background or nature sounds so that I can, you know, get in line with where I want to be. But there's times it just is silent. I don't want to hear any noise at all. And when I have that 15 minutes, I'm not always going to social media because you can get sucked in a much longer than that 15 minutes. And one of the things that I want people to think about is being very intentional with your time, especially as an entrepreneur. You know, time is a limited resource and we don't treat it like that. We think, oh, we got lots of time later to do that or I got lots of time to do that. The way you spend your time is also how you're spending your money. So when we think about our money and how much your hourly rate would be if you were to break it down to an hourly rate, thinking are the tasks you're doing worth the time that you are putting in? Am I spending $200 an hour checking social media so you save that stuff for when you have your downtime unless it is part of your strategic plan or you're delegating it out you want to know how to do it that's great that's an educational component the other part of the habits is continuous learning that would be the third one that I would always stress if you're not learning and growing you're not going to be earning more and that includes whether it be in a career position or as an entrepreneur. You need to keep ahead of what strategies and techniques are out there. You need to keep ahead on making yourself the focus without getting distracted by everyone else around you. Focus on your game and run your own race, not looking at, oh, look how far ahead this person is, or look how far ahead this person is. Ladies, run your own race. You are wickedly smart women. And you can take total control of where you're at and create amazing results as long as you're focused and consistent. So I highly recommend checking out the video. It's a video course. There's some exercises for you to do to get you really focused and on track and just wait until the unshakable mindset comes out. It's really about developing that mental toughness to help you persevere through any situation. Beautiful. So I want to talk to you about valuing your own vision because, you know, that's one of the things that has to happen when you step into entrepreneurship. And so did you come from corporate yourself, Deborah, or were you always entrepreneurial? No, my background is in healthcare. Okay. So, you know, the corporate side of healthcare, nonprofit type. Sure. So, so um, when you got your vision, when you got your vision for starting your own thing, Like, what were the things that you did internally to say yes to this vision? And to, because for most people who are starting their own business or stepping into the entrepreneurial space from corporate, you just don't know what you don't know, but it takes really the courage to step in and say yes to anything to, to get things off the ground and get them started. So what happened for you when you made that decision and, and what was going on internally that allowed you to value your own vision or even externally? Like, did you have an external support system that said yes along with you? 
You know, I, I'd love to say it ran smoothly. If you get an opportunity, for those of you who are listening, I have a blue talk that explains a little bit more of the journey. One of the things that I, I just felt this strong calling within that I feel that many entrepreneurs do, that there's something calling them to do something different, that they're made for more, and they can't necessarily explain it. Now, over the years, I've developed a system as well for, you know, that vivid vision for yourself. And how do you create that? What I've learned is that you really need to sit back and think about your own personal core values first, and then looking at the vision that you have of what you want the outcome to look like. I knew I wanted to build something that was world-class, something that people would talk about and that it would have an impact that would ripple for generations. And I'd like to say that Paolo Coelho's book, Yes. The Alchemist. Great book. How, when I was recommended to read that, I was going to an entrepreneurial conference and it, I had had a bad day and I kept telling myself, I don't know why I'm going. I had to drive an hour and a half. And it was recommended that I read that book and I put it on, on audio and I drove and partway through, I was crying the whole drive thinking about here I wanted to dismiss this calling, yet I know it's a calling that needs to lead for generations. So when, when you think about the values of the vision, that is where I tap into the alchemist of knowing that that legacy, calling is one thing, but when you put a calling connected with legacy, mm. it's like this unstoppable force. Mm. I know there's been times that you know you just want to throw in the towel and I've just the thought of throwing in the towel can put me into tears for days thinking, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm going the wrong direction. Yet then all these successes would pop up. And I'm like, well, if I'm not in the right direction, those successes wouldn't pop up. And it made me go back to why I was doing what I was doing. It was going back to the calling. It was going back to ultimately my mission in this lifetime is not only to share my gifts with the world, but to ensure that other women, um, men as well, are sharing their gifts. Because if we imagine that every single one of us shared one of our gifts, wow, this world would be completely amazed by what that would look like. When you step into your potential of who you believe yourself to be, even if I took one of your gifts and you have many, the lightness, the bliss, the unstoppability, the fearlessness that comes out within you when you're on that course makes you unstoppable. Totally. And you can see that vision so clearly, even though people might not understand. Hmm. Now, my family members didn't get it. They came from a very different mindset. Hmm. And there has been times that part of that throwing in the towel part is because the people around me that I thought should be supporting me the most were the ones I wanted to. And I've realized over the years that they are not. They see me in a different role. They don't see me as the entrepreneurial mom. They don't see me as the entrepreneurial woman. They don't see how I you know, lead others or when I went with my tribe. They see me very differently. But it, I have to remind you that it's through their lens, their scope. And what you need to remember is to view your values, your vision, your mission through the scope of your own. Because you're the only one who can see it. And as it unfolds, eventually they will start seeing glimpses of it as well. 
and I also know what has happened for them is that they saw through the lens of fear because people will criticize people will make comments because they haven't stepped into what they want to and there's a book I read years ago by Bruce Wilkerson and it's called the dream giver and in the story this boy is going into the land of nobody and he shares his dream with his father and he shares that there is this feather sitting on the windowsill and this that represented the dream and the father said you know what i had a dream once there was a feather on my windowsill but it crushed into dust and it crushed into dust because he didn't follow through and here was this young boy who is like, I'm going to the land of somebody. Nice. But the thing that I need to impress upon all women listening is you already are that somebody. You just need to see that your gifts are meant to be here and that you need to serve the people that you're called to serve. And now yeah. like, it's not later. Yeah. It would not have come to you if it wasn't meant for you. Exactly. But if you look around you, every woman does not have the same calling. That's right. So the fact that it came to you, it's your game. So we have to say now <laughs> that it's already time to go, Deborah. So hopefully you all heard and received the activation to lead your life and live your dream that Deborah just brought through. Deborah, it has been my pleasure to have you today. And listeners, we definitely love feedback. Let us know what you thought of today's show by calling our listener line. That'll be in the show notes or sending questions or guest suggestions to guest management at weeklysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.